Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at LSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. In this week's episode, I spoke with Brian Ahern, a speaker, author, coach, and consultant who specializes in applying the science of influence in everyday situations. He's a Cialdini Method certified trainer trained in how to ethically influence others. Brian has a third book out called The Influencer about how to become a better salesperson, coach, and leader. We spoke about how to apply this specific influencer knowledge in everyday scenarios and in business, what it means to deal with different personalities, how this can benefit leaders, and much more. I asked Brian to tell me more about what it means to ethically influence others, and here's what he had to say. People, when they hear the word, they might recoil a little bit. They might have some negative connotations, but we can do this in an upright, ethical way. And that's what I try to teach people. And again, if I go back to the the reality that every person who is listening to this every day tries to influence people, they may not think about it, but anytime they're making a request of somebody else, they're trying to change their behavior. They're trying to get them to do something. So what I do is I teach people what research says. So more than seven decades of research from social psychology and behavioral economics. And what does that research tell us that if we incorporate into our communications, it can make it easier for people to say yes to us. And so I would encourage anybody who thinks like, well, I'm not comfortable with this or I'm not any good at it. It's a skill, which means it can be learned, practiced and perfected. Awesome. And could you tell me more about the new book you have coming out? Yeah. So I, my third book came out in December and my first book was a, I'll call it a business slash psychology book. And my second book was a sales book. And I know that there are some people who will never pick up either type of book, but there's a lot of people who will read a business parable. So I decided to write a book that was a story and it follows the life of a young man named John Andrews. You literally meet him when he's born and learn a little bit about his family and he goes off to school. But then the story really focuses around when he gets into his career. After having taken a psych 101 class in college, he really begins to see how this applies in the real world. And he's learning from mentors and coaches and bosses and clients. And he starts to see the application of influence in everyday life. And so the story I'm hoping reaches a whole new set of readers, those people who enjoy stories, but also want to actually learn things that they could apply to their business and personal life. And I think that's, that's so interesting that you mentioned that Brian, because there are probably a lot of professionals who, you know, care very much about their careers and their jobs, but they're not necessarily one to go out and look for, you know, a business centered book or um, a book about, like you mentioned, psychology. Um, So for those people who are thinking that they would be interested in something like this, what are some of those points and that, that you would suggest that they pay attention to in this book that they can apply to their careers? Well, Jessica, the first thing I would say is almost every character in the book has its basis in a real person people that I learned from over the course of my life and career. And so I was able to say, you know, what did I learn from Loring or Al or, or Dwayne? And how can I distill this into information that would be interesting to people and also honors them as individuals? 
so an example, there's a character in the book named Ben, Ben Blackstone, and he's modeled after a good friend named uh, Ben Blackman. And Ben is a student of Robert Cialdini's, and, and I saw him apply his principles throughout his career. Well, in the book, the character John, as he is a, a trainee with his new company, he spends some time with this individual named Ben. And he notices that Ben, his customers love him. So of course, he's young and inquisitive. And so he asks Ben, what do you do to get your customers to like you so much? I mean, it's so apparent that they love you. And Ben says, I don't do anything to get them to like me. Well, John says, come on, you're pulling my leg. And he presses him. What do you do to get these people to like you? And, and Ben keeps saying, I don't do anything to get people to like me. And finally, John in frustration says, well, then I give up. What's the secret? And he said, Ben says to him, I do everything I can to like my customers. And, and that's the key to this principle that we call liking. It's not about me, Jessica, doing things to get you to like me. It's about me doing everything I can to come to like you. Because most people, when they sense that you really like and care for them, that's when they open up and are so much more likely to say yes to you. But whatever you're asking of them, you're not doing for your own self-interest because the more you like the people that you're with, the more you want their best. And it creates what I call a virtuous cycle. So that's one learning point that John gets from this character, Ben Blackstone, in the book. I'm sure a lot of professionals can relate to that. Of course, working with clients, colleagues, a lot of people feel like they want um, those around them to like them. But I love that perspective of kind of flipping it and thinking, what can I do or how can I connect with someone so I can really enjoy them? That's really interesting. Yeah, and even if you, even if you don't get what you would hope for in the transaction, you can still at the end of the day say, you know what? I really enjoy what I do because I like the people that I'm with. I like my clients. I like my customers, vendors, coworkers, but it all rests on us and our choice to go into those situations with a mindset that says, what can I do to like these people? And Brian, I know that you've mentioned influencing is something that, you know, people are doing it, whether they realize it or not. Are there any um, surprising situations that you think uh, professionals might find themselves in when they are trying to have influence, but they don't realize it? I read an interesting book recently called You Have More Influence Than You Think, and it comes at, it, it comes at this topic from a different perspective of mine. It's that we naturally have more influence on the people that are around us. And if you stop and think about it, everybody may not be focused on you today, Jessica, but maybe when you're in the office, the things that you do over the course of time, you're building a reputation and people see that and it does impact how they think and how they feel and how they act. So I think people would be surprised to learn that although everybody isn't noticing, you know, if they spill something on their shirt or something like that, they're noticing other things about them far more that are creating an impact on their thinking and their behavior. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes in life, uh, you are presented with difficult situations, you have to have tough conversations. And I'm sure a lot of people um, have experienced that uh, this past year. What ways can you, would you say that influence helps when you are presented with those difficult or tough situations? 
Well, that's a good question. And there's a character in the book named Braden. And John, the lead character, as he's going throughout his career, he's having a lot of success because he is skilled at this. But he bumps into this person, Braden, and it seems like everything he does doesn't work and almost backfires a little bit. And he can't figure out why. And so finally, he bumps into him at the airport. They both work for the same company, unbeknownst to both of them. They need to go to the regional office. And so John sees Braden coming down the runway and, and he decides he's not going to avoid having a conversation, even though prior ones haven't gone well. And so they start some very casual, small talk. And then John takes a step of faith and he, he says, you know, Braden, I want to ask you a question. And if you're not comfortable, you don't need to answer it. He said, I really like, the, I try to like the people that I work with, and I'm trying everything I can to get to know you, and you seem to be resisting that. What gives? Why, why do you seem to be so difficult to get to know? Well, nobody's really ever asked this guy, Braden, that question, and he finally opens up and he shares something very personal, and I won't tell what that is because I'd like people to buy the book and read the story, but, but he opens up, and what I find quite often, Jessica, is people who are difficult for you, for me, for other people, a lot of times they're difficult for most people. And so if we can approach them in a different way, if we can give them the freedom to maybe answer or not answer a question, I think people would be pleasantly surprised at how often they're willing to answer that question. Most of those people who are difficult are putting up self-defense mechanisms so that they can justify to themselves maybe why they're not getting a pat on the back at work or maybe why people aren't asking them to lunch. Uh, but when you can break through that, what I've found almost every time is there's a wonderful person inside who just wants to be known. And you mentioning difficult people makes me think that, you know, dealing with a bunch of different personality types, which uh, anyone will encounter in their career, how does having the influencer skill help you deal with different personality types? And when I teach uh, organizations, I have a four quadrant personality type uh, that's called driver, expressive, amiable, and logical. And, and I like that because it spells deal. And in sales, you hope to close deals, but we're always dealing with people. And so this is based on some research I did with blog readers many years ago, but there are specific principles of persuasion that appear to be much more effective with, let's say, a driver personality, that, that individual who's task-focused, doesn't really care much about relationships, wants to be in control of the situations they're in. Well, you're going to deal with that person differently than maybe an amiable person who is more laid back, focused on self-control, very relational. And so when you understand that, you can be more effective just in your like day-to-day -day communication with different individuals. So in, in the book, John starts to reveal some of his secrets about how he deals with those different personality types to his wife, because she works at a hospital and she has to deal with administrators, fundraisers, doctors, uh, patients who can be very emotional. So the whole gamut of personality types. And she realizes, if I can understand this, it probably will make my life at work a lot easier. A lot of people are interested in 
strengthening their leadership skills or already are in leadership positions, how can influencing really be um, a good foundation or just another skill that you can add to your toolbox if that is something important to you? Well, leaders, just like salespeople, have to change people's behavior. They have to get them to do things. Um, one of the frameworks that John discovers is there's, if you take a look at leadership at a very high level, you usually start with building relationship, right? People want to know and like the people that they're following. So leaders need to build those relationships. Then they need to help people get beyond uncertainty because just because somebody likes you doesn't mean that they're going to have confidence that, that you know what to do. So we need to get people beyond uncertainty. And there's some, some principles that can help make that happen. And then finally, even if people like you and they know what they need to do, a lot of times people drag their feet. Change is hard. And there's some principles that are very good for helping to motivate change in people. And I think when leaders understand that framework and then they begin to learn which principles are most effective at those different points, they can be much more effective in leading their teams by influencing them because nobody wants to be forced, manipulated or coerced into doing things. They wanna feel like they have a choice in that and they wanna follow people who are worth following. And I think that's a good point that that you make that no one wants to feel manipulated, but people do want to have confidence in their leaders. Um, if there was a leader who was really interested in growing their influencer skills, where do you think um, they should start? Well, I think the foundation is always relationship. I mean, the, the more that I study this, the more I start to realize how important the principle of liking is. So this principle of liking simply says, people prefer to say yes to those they know and like. Now I'm sure every person listening to this is like, well, duh, we all know that. But I don't know that people strategically focus on it. So by focusing on what you have in common with people, paying genuine compliments, by working together in ways that lead to success, those are all factors that cause people to like each other. And I really believe that if leaders go into situations with a focus of how can I come to like this person by tapping into what they have in common, by paying genuine compliments, et cetera, that they will start to build that foundation. But what's so important about it is the more, for example, Jessica, the more I get to know you and like you, well, that informs my giving, right? If I know you more, I probably know how to help you, how to give in ways that are really beneficial for you. And that, that incorporates the principle of reciprocity, which is if I'm doing things that genuinely help you, you feel this natural sense of wanting to help me when I need it. The principle of liking also informs another one of the principles called social proof, which is the human tendency to follow the crowd or follow people who are just like them. The more I get to know you, Jessica, the more I can bring into our conversations people who are like you who might have succeeded by doing the things that I suggest. So again, that gives you very uh, a lot more confidence to follow my lead. And a, another one that it informs too is a principle called consistency, which says humans have this natural tendency to, to want to live up to their word. We, we tend to do things based on what we've said in the past, what we've done, what we believe, what we value. 
So again, the more I get to know you and like you, the more I know about your past, what you believe, what you value, which means I can incorporate that into my conversations with you. And all of this builds a tremendous amount of momentum to make it easier for you to say yes to me. But it's not because you feel like you have to. It's because you know I like you and care about you, which I do, and everybody wins in that situation. And what would you say are some of the uh, best tips that you can offer those who are listening when it comes to influencing on how they can succeed, you know, day to day and then long term uh, in their jobs with the influencer skill? One, one way that people miss so often taps into the principle of consistency. Again, th that principle says we feel an internal psychological pressure and an external social pressure to be consistent in what we say and what we do. So if I ask you to do something and you say that you will, you are far more likely to follow through with that. But if I tell you what you need to do, you're much less likely to do that because you haven't committed. It hasn't triggered that sense within you that you have to live up to your word. So what I would encourage leaders to do is stop telling people what to do and start asking. When you reframe what you need from a statement into a question and people say yes, they are much more likely to do what needs to be done. So if I anything I describe to you, Jessica, or to the listeners, you'll be able to say, oh, I get that. Because maybe you do that and now you're starting to realize why people respond positively to you. Or maybe you realize in a sale why you said yes to the salesperson. So now you're more mm -hmm. aware of that principle. But the rubber meets the road with thoughtfully, strategically, and ethically putting it into practice. And I think that's where people fall short. It's kind of like healthy living. I don't think there's almost anybody who couldn't tell you three ways to maybe uh, change their diet and be a little healthier and three things they could do to get a little more exercise. But it's not about knowing, it's about doing. And so I would encourage people, you know, whether it's my book or Robert Cialdini's or, or somebody else, start to study this and start thoughtfully putting it into practice and see how people are responding to you. And I guarantee you that if you utilize what the research says, it's not a magic wand, not everybody will say yes, but you will have a lot more people saying yes. And that's what I think leads to success at the office and usually a lot more peace and happiness at home. Thank you to Brian for joining us to talk more about how to ethically influence others. Have you thought of how you influence others? You can let me know at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O at ohiocpa.com or anything else you'd like to hear on the State of Business podcast. And don't forget to follow us wherever you download your podcasts. Thanks for listening.